Hello and welcome to another episode of Life from the Feet Up. I'm Victor. And I'm Damon. We are here for another great episode of Life from the Feet Up. Hopefully you guys are ready because we've got a special treat for them today there, Damon. Absolutely. One of my closest friends is here with us today. We've got a Dr. Christian Jeffress in the house. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, Dr. Jeffress, you uh, are what we're going to talk about today. What you wanted to talk about today is diabetes. So uh, we're going to talk about different things for you guys out there about diabetes, like uh, things to look for, some common types. And uh, we're going to, of course, get back to the feet because we are life from the feet up and ailments that diabetes cause in the feet and uh, I guess ways to treat and or things you should look for with those things. So. That's where we're going to go with, and don't forget, we're going to end today with our fun foot fact segment. Damon, are you ready? Absolutely. He's always ready. Why, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> man? What's, what's, what's up with that? All right. So here we go. Uh, Dr. Jeffress, why don't you uh, tell our podcast audience a little about yourself? Um, yes, my name is Christian Jeffress. Um, I am originally from Virginia. Um, I attended medical school in Ohio, Cleveland to be exact. What up, Cleveland? You know, um, I also. You must be excited about LeBron, huh? You know, I was excited about LeBron because he actually, at the time when I was in medical school up there, that was when that was breakout LeBron time. So it was like I didn't know who he was, and then okay. everybody's like, "Oh, he's from Akron. He's awesome." And then you see this really huge, great, big guy. And I was like, "Okay." So at that point, I kind of liked the the Cavs, and then you know he left, and uh, you know. But now he's back, so it's awesome, right? So now you like them again? So I like them again now. Oh, right, so I guess good. I'm not a Cavs fan. I'm a LeBron fan, right? You're what um, I believe the term is bandwagon? Yes, fan? I am. Fa- okay. Fairweather. Okay. Fairweather, fair. yes. Right. I accept that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, after which, um, graduating from medical school, I uh, perf- I did res- my residency in uh, Atlanta at the Atlanta VA. So that was pretty good and rewarding. And a lot of my patients um, were absolutely diabetic, and actually, um, being dealing with veterans, a lot of them were very brittle, hard to control. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, diabetic, so they had a lot of foot ailments that would always manifest. That result sometimes, unfortunately, in amputation, and sometimes we could save them by doing surgery or just you know wound healing. So that's why it became important. I wanted to speak about diabetes. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, not excellent, but you understand what I'm saying. Absolutely. Excellent that you now have that experience that you can give on to other people. Yes. All right. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So let's start with uh, diabetes and uh, what to look for. If you're not diabetic or somebody's listened to this and they think they might be, what are some signs that people can look for as possibilities of having it? Yeah. Um. I would say two of the most common that I've noticed in every single patient that has become diabetic, um, they've noticed one or two things, excessive thirst, not like, oh, I'm just thirsty. I've been working out like an excessive thirst. Like you can never quench that thirst, that type of an extreme thirst and an excessive urination as well. And it's like constantly all the time. And it's out of the norm. It's like disproportionate that actually the patient knows you're going to say, man, I'm actually, I'm, I'm urinating quite a bit. And so it's more than normal because patients always want to know, well, what's more than normal? More than normal is going to be anything to the far left, extreme, extreme, extreme. If you're urinating like two, three, four times an hour, that seems to me kind of extreme, especially if, if you're not really drinking a whole lot of water during that time, you're just constantly going to the bathroom. So it's not like indicative of your liquid intake. So it doesn't follow the right. be drinking as much as you no. want to 
quench that. You cannot even be drinking that much to quench it. Absolutely. And you're still going to be urinating a lot. Right. And that's what oh, makes right. everybody say, hey, what's going on? If you're having those symptoms of extreme, excessive uh, urination, more, a lot of frequency is what I'm trying to say. And you're having that sensation that you want to drink lots of water or some type of fluid to hydrate yourself because you feel just literally very, very thirsty. You might want to get your hemoglobin A1C or your blood glucose fasting check. Okay, and that has to be done at a doctor. In other words, that means go to a doctor for those of you who have no idea what you just said, like myself. Absolutely. Go to a doctor. Should have seen the look on my face with those words. (laughs) You should have. (laughs) Absolutely. So those are the two most common things that you see? Very common. Extremely common. They all, I think I haven't had a patient that tell me they haven't had those symptoms initially um, from that. They also get to be extreme symptoms as well as I've had patients that told me they felt like they went blind for a day or so. And when they finally were diagnosed as diabetic, their blood sugar is like 800. Um, the normal, you want to keep somewhere, someone that's not diabetic, you want to keep it, I tell people to think of the number 120. Be below that, okay? Just for, just in general, just to keep it simple, not, you know, versus someone who is diabetic, not diabetic. But just in general, when people check their blood sugars, you want it to be less than 120. Um, and so anything over that, just as a reference so number. is pretty. 800 is, is, yeah, you might be going to a coma soon. Yeah, yeah. that's uh pretty dangerous to be that's honest. very dangerous but it's unfortunate but a lot of patients will be functioning on that somehow until it gets so extreme you know well um all right so for me the average mm-hmm. joe here i use it term a lot on this podcast because mm-hmm. i do not have a medical background uh what is just to touch on the blood sugar thing um i used to see my grandfather take his blood sugar my mm-hmm. grandfather was diabetic but for those, is there any signs of that, that if you don't regularly check your blood sugar, how would I know what, like, I have no idea what my blood sugar level is. How, is there, like, signs that my sugar is too high or too low that I could figure that out? Or, more, yeah. Yeah, more than likely those first two things you probably experience. Oh, that's what that, that thirsty, is? Yeah, that the extra thirsty thirst the and then the that, yeah, stuff? excessive urination mm-hmm, and frequent urination, absolutely. Is, those are, like, the signs and symptoms of it. Mm-hmm. Not to get gross, but is there a color thing with the urination? No, not really. No. Be normal color, normal, you know, clearish yellow to be <laughs> gross, but yeah, you know, it'll be kind of a normal color. But um, yeah, uh, historically, this is like historically and kind of gross. But um, historically, before we had all the onset of all this technology and being able to blood glucose check and everything like that, mm-hmm. doctors of olden days used to literally taste the urine. And you could taste Aren't the sugar. Aren't you grateful that we don't have to do that absolutely. anymore? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, you don't yes, seem like yes. you'd be really excited about that. Yeah. That was... yeah I, I wouldn't. They said it was sweet, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to insult, hence the old term. I don't care how sweet it is. I don't <laughs> exactly. want to drink it. But that's what they would do. So hence the old term sugar diabetes because it was sweet. Mm-hmm. I got you. Yeah. All right. Could you smell it sweet? Like, cause you know how sometimes stuff smells sweet? Uh, I've Not never sure. smelled urine in the history. I really can't give you. I really don't I'm know. Just... <laughs> All right, fair enough. I'm just asking yeah, questions here. Don't get here. that close that's to your. <laughs> that's fair enough. Fair yes. enough. All right, so those are some things to look for. Um, those are like the with the urination and the uh, excessive drinking. Now, you've gotten these things. You've gone to the doctor and you've been diagnosed. What diagnoses or diagnoses are there for diabetics? Like, what common? What types are there? Well, there are a lot of different ones that in diabetes, insipidus, and all that stuff, but that they get a little bit complicated. But we'll stick with the two that most people hear of: type one, and type two. Okay, I've heard those. Back in the day, people say I have juvenile diabetes. Okay, you may have heard, heard that, that term. term yeah. That's your type one. Those are like your patients who think of it as um, 
someone who has like an autoimmune, something in their body or their pancreas is not working quite right. Okay. So it's an issue there. Whereas type two, it's like the excessive weight that causes your organs to work a little bit harder. So then the diabetes ensues from that. So one kind of type one is something you cannot prevent. And if you notice type two, we always tell people exercise, lose weight, blah, blah, blah. Those are your type two. So that's the main difference with, um, those particular type of diabetes. Okay, so juvenile doesn't actually mean juvenile. It just kind of means you were born with it. Pretty much. All right. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And now I heard you say pancreas in there. Yeah. Um, for those of us who don't know a whole, whole lot about diabetes in general, can you break down diabetes in general as to what it, what's happening to you? With yeah, so it's a disease of the pancreas where your pancreas has um, what we call beta cells, and those are the cells that kind of regulate the insulin and stuff. They come from, it comes, and everyone knows insulin, at least heard of insulin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes from the pancreas. So that's what needs to regulate the blood sugar in our blood. So, blood. so that's why I reference the pancreas in that, that term. So you naturally have insulin in you, like, Normally? Yeah, because we produce okay. it to get rid of the sugars. It kind of right. like like Pac-Man. I guess is that a good term? Like, you know, <laughs> so it kind of uses it up. And so that's why some people have to inject the actual insulin so they can Pac-Man up the extra sugar. And when you have excess, excess sugar in your blood, you're diabetic. So something's not working quite right with the pancreas. That makes sense? Yeah. yeah. Pac-Man is not working. Pac- Pac-Man is yeah, broken. Pac-Man, yeah, broken Pac-Man. Yeah, oh, we can use that. There we go. Mm-hmm. Diabetes is like pro- broken Pac-Man. Broken All right. Pac-Man. Absolutely. Can't eat up enough sugar. It's truly what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, the body is not getting rid of enough sugar. So mm-hmm. there's excess of sugar within the body. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so it's only, a, this is me being completely ignorant on no, this that's topic. Fine. That's fine. That's good, though. Um, so it's only an excessive sugar thing? Because I thought that there was problems with low sugar, too. Because I kind of remember my my. My uh, half brother is uh, diabetic as mm-hmm. well. Has a lot of diabetes in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that he had to carry candies on him because in case he needed to eat a candy. So how, if Pac-Man's broken, how does that affect? What does that mean that you need more sugar then? That's an excellent, excellent, excellent question. I'm making clarify by saying it's the regulation of the amount of sugar in the body. So it will regulate how high and how low. So, for example, I'm I'm sure your your stepbrother's diabetic. Their blood sugars can plummet because, like I said, there's no regulation. It can get really, really high, really, really low. Whereas in a normal person that's not diabetic, ours is pretty tightly controlled. It's not going to be 250 one day, you know, 100 or 75 the, the next day. It's it's really regulated because our body is normal and healthy and all of our Pac-Mans are working correctly. So it stays in a normal tight range. And most all blood levels, and no matter what you're checking, just when we get our blood drawn for everything, we always have reference ranges. It's, it stays pretty tight. And when things are too high or too low, that's when you get some type of a diagnosis of whatever that should be. So with diabetes, it's a regulation of it. So for your brother, if he gets, because it's not regulated quite right, his blood sugars can get really, really high or really, really low if he doesn't take his insulin. Or if he takes too much insulin, it can plummet and get really, really low, and they can get into comas, and that can be a, you know, all these other medical terms I won't get into to give him problems. So if you think about it more so as a regulation of the insulin, the sugar in our body, then that's how kind of it, if that makes any sense, it's more of a regulation. So, so when it gets too low, does that mean that the body has created too much insulin because there's nothing causing it to keep it? level or to it could regulate be, it, it exactly because like for example we had patients that that would um come in and they would take no matter if they ate or not you know because if they ate food or not they would be taking insulin and so if they're taking insulin and they're not eating a lot because we get our sugars from our foods amongst other things mm-hmm. 
they would already have a lower sugar, okay? But they're taking the insulin on, on a regular anyway, which is supposed to help them regulate it. Well, you didn't take in a lot of um, sugars anyway, so now the sugar's running a little bit lower. So that's when they need to eat that candy to get it back into that normal range. Okay, that makes mm -hmm. more sense. Yeah. So most of your, uh, not to interrupt you, but most no, of your, your known diabetics that are under care would know the term sliding scale. Mm -hmm. And that's why they put them on a sliding scale. And basically what a sliding scale is is they judge how much insulin they take based on what their blood sugars are. So if your blood sugar is already low, you don't want it to go any lower, so you, you don't take insulin at that time. You know what I'm saying? So there, there is a sliding scale that once you get into the system with your physician and they get you... Is that based with the like when you're checking your own blood sugars? Correct. How much? That, correct. That t dictates how much insulin you're supposed to take. Okay. Correct. So it's dictated based on what your blood sugars are. If if it's already low, obviously you don't want it to go any lower. Lower. So you you kind of judge based on that sliding scale when you need to take it and when you do not need to take it. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So that's um. So we talked a little bit there about uh the sliding scale and the regulation, and that was, I had a question about the, how type 1 is you're born with, type 2 is, so basically that's like a, you grow into it type thing? Mm, kind of, you know, you don't really grow into it. It's just um, over time your body can't, uh, a lot of it is due to environmental factors, i.e. overweight, um, sometimes just depending on our diet and stuff like that. If you notice, most of our type 2s, we give recommendations to lose weight, Eat, you know, eat right. You know, you eat your vegetables and your fruits. Don't eat a whole lot of bread and carbs and starches because that stuff breaks down into sugar anyway. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not to cut you off, yeah. but actually that's a great, I, I, I would love for you to go into what kind of things food wise, because mm -hmm. I, apparently my family really does not pay attention as well with this diabetes stuff. Um, but I have a family member uh, who I, I won't name names or anything, mm -hmm. but who didn't even, was diabetic, had gone to the doctor and, um, so I'd like this to be able to, like a segment here of what stuff should you stay away from? What stuff can you do? Because she didn't really, like, she was told by the doctor, but it just didn't register when right. she went she home. Just she kept she, she was older, her. and she just kind of, um, and she thought, oh, well, this would be okay to eat. And so she used to eat a lot of sandwiches thinking that was good, and she was eating a lot of bread and right. didn't realize right. that that was actually not a good thing. So what kinds of things should you actually lean towards and stay away from? I, I try to keep it simple because it's so much. It's, you know, it's kind of bad. A diabetic diet, it's, if you talk to patients, like, well, that's all the good stuff, doc. And it kind of is, you know, because carbs taste good. You know, bread is good. So I tell people in general to avoid white food. So let's think of some white things. Rice. Okay. Potatoes. You know, bread. bread. So try to stay away from white things and increase, instead of having things like that, have stuff that is very um, high, like in uh, – Fiber, like uh, green leafy vegetables, things like that. Something else I always have to be mindful of my patients to tell them because they always love to drink or eat fruit. You know, they love to go get an apple or they had watermelon. They don't realize fruit is fructose, which is a form of sugar, which is sucrose, which is glucose. All of that, all those oses, you know, mm -hmm. sugar. It still breaks down into sugar. So I would have people that would, you know, so pretty much. eating healthy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's like them eating ice cream at midnight because a lot of my patients do, and they come in with a 250, 300 sugar. And I said, what'd you do last night? Well, you know, ah, what'd I do? I don't know, doc. And I tell them, I see what you eat at night, ice cream? Yeah. What time? Was it after 8 o'clock? 
yeah, it was about 11.30, you know. But they say ice cream doesn't taste good until it's late at night. I get it. So that's the last thing they ate. I think ice cream tastes good all the time, personally. <laughs> right, but they I usually, mean, that's just me. <laughs> right, but they usually eat it, you know, you're sitting at home, you're relaxing. Mm, I want some snack on. So we don't want to go eat, you know, yeah. uh, some a, a piece of broccoli, you know. So you're going to get something that's going to be either chips, which can be carbs too because it's chips, potato chips, potatoes, white, okay. right? And so stuff like that. And then I also tell them to avoid, like, heavy pasta-laden meals. And I love Italian food, but the pasta breaks down into sugar. So that's kind of the easy way to think about it. It could be very much more in-depth, in but you can also – there are also diabetes education classes with dietitians there that will go into – Deep, deep, in-depth um, conversation about exact foods to eat, times of day, and all sort of stuff. So it's like a plethora of information out there. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And, and one of the things that I like to tell patients is one thing about diabetes is diabetes is not a disease to be scared of, but you have to respect it. You know what I'm saying? So when when you get when you're diagnosed with diabetes, typically they set you up with a, a diabetic educator, uh, which they go over all the things that you should and you shouldn't do, things that you should and you shouldn't eat. And a lot of people walk away from those classes thinking that, okay, if I sneak and I just eat this one thing, I'd be okay. You know what I'm saying? And then it, it just kind of snowballs from there. And, and because what happens is they think, okay, I got away with it. Nothing happened. Little do they know in the, in, in the background something is going on. So I always tell patients. Don't necessarily feel it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I always tell patients that, you know, it's not a disease that you have to be scared of. But you have to respect the disease, you know, and you have to follow your treatment plan or else, I mean, it's going to have negative outcomes. Mm -hmm. And uh, really quickly to the listeners out there, if you have any questions, you can email us and we'll do our best to get them answered. So if you have any questions on diabetes, our email is lifefromthefeetup at gmail.com. So feel free to email us any questions and we'll do our best to get back to you with answers and uh, figure out what we can do for you guys. But now that we talked about those things a little bit and we talked about the lead into, and I think this is a really good time to switch gears as to what if you don't respect such a powerful thing, like don't fear it, but don't respect it, what can it actually lead into? Like we're, um, we obviously start from the feet because mm-hmm. we are life from the feet up. So let's start at the feet and what kind of things can actually, if you don't take care of your diabetes, what can it, it, can it cause? Um. Usually with a diagnosis of diabetes from your primary care physician, they should be telling you that you need to have at least three doctors on board. Themselves, your primary care physicians who's going to monitor your blood sugars and make sure that you're taking the proper medicines, whether it's pills, whether it's insulin, whether it's both. Um, You're going to also need an eye doctor because how I told you a little bit earlier, how when people have that high blood sugar that they lost vision for a while, it can affect the eyes. And then a podiatrist as as, as well to protect your feet. How it affects your feet is is really profound because, unfortunately, I see that the foot is like the most neglected part of the body. Um, I have friends that are dentists that will beg to differ, but um, they are, you know. They one of. Yeah, we'll say, yeah. We'll be PC and say one of the most neglected parts of the body because, I mean, they're far away. They're down there. We don't think about them. They carry us and bring us here and there all day long, and sometimes we don't take the time to kind of pamper them. The reason why it's really, really important for a diabetic is because of – I'm going to use this term neuropathy, so I'm going to go ahead and, and, and delve into that and describe what in the world is she talking about? What is neuropathy? So let's break the word down. Neuropathy. Neuro. 
neuropathy. Neuro means nerve. Pathy means disease or some type of damage. So you have nerve damage, okay? So that's what the word neuropathy means. And so you've probably seen commercials for Lyrica. They say I have diabetic nerve pain. They're talking about diabetic neuropathy. And so what happens is the nerves, I always describe things in, in situations, especially Unfortunately, with men, I try to use something physical for people. So I always tell people, think of any cord or wire that is, for example, right now I see one that's hooked up to the little power pack. It's black, and it's hooked to the power pack. So you can think about any little cord that goes into an outlet or anything, whatever color it may be. If you look on the outside of that, that's the protective layer of that cord, okay? And it's just like a nerve. If you step on that cord, it's going to be fine because that's the protective layer, okay? So what happens is in a body um, – when people are diabetic, they have excess sugars circulating in their blood. So what happens is those sugars are very smart. It's like, you know what? If we stay around here in the core of the body, that means around all your major organs, around your um, heart and your liver and your lungs, they need that sugar for energy. So they're going to use it up if it stays there. So your sugar is very smart. It's like, no, we don't want to get used up. We're going to go and literally chill out. So they typically will go to the furthest parts from your heart. You want to go to the coolest parts of the body, which are your fingertips and your toes. And your one knows that your feet are further away than your hands are from your heart. And so when they go down there, just like I was telling you about that cord, the sugars literally will sit on that black part of that cord that you're imagining, okay? And what it does, it starts to eat away at that black part of that cord. And everyone knows inside of that black cord, it's a whole bunch of little small silver pieces, right? That actually makes whatever that cord function, whether it's your microphone or whether it's your radio or you're charging your cell phone, that's what actually makes it run, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why that black protective coating was around it to keep that part, that's the important part, from getting damaged. So what happens is the sugar eats through that black part, sees those little silver thin little parts that go into the wire, and it starts to eat those too. And it actually eats those to the point that it just eats them all the way through. And so there's the disconnect, right? So if I cut a cord from where it's plugged into the wall to where it goes to whatever, your cell phone or whatever, the phone is no longer going to charge. So when you relate that to nerves, the sugars eat the outer sheath of the nerve, gets down to the true part of the nerve, and then people start to lose feeling because it severs that entire nerve. I never realized that that's... Yeah, so that's what happens. So there, from that point on, whether it be the ankle, whether it be the middle of the foot, whether it be just the toe, everything past where that nerve is cut has no feeling. So a lot of times with that, a lot of the patients will end up with very, they have no feeling in the bottom of their feet, and sometimes not even at the top. But the top is really not a huge issue because we don't walk on the top of our foot. We walk on the bottom. So the issue is walking around barefoot, patients can step on thumbtacks. I've seen diabetic needles in the heel on x-ray incidentally, um, things like that. And they can end up with open areas in the bottom of the foot because they do not feel pain. They no longer have the sensation of, of any type of uh, pain to the bottom of the foot. You literally could light a match, stick it to the bottom of the foot. They hit true neuropathy, you'll burn. But they'll smell it before they feel it. And there's been people that have had issues with that, sitting in front of space heaters in the wintertime, literally cooking their feet to the point that the skin bubbles up and peels off and they don't feel it until they smell meat cooking. That sounds kind of gross, but that is like an extreme case. Not kind of gross. That's pretty gross. Yeah, but it's, yeah. The, it is pretty gross, right? But that is what happens. It has to be that graphic and that that's a true story. They have patients that happen that and they end up with amputations because of it. So we wow. think about the diabetes being uncontrolled causes that neuropathy or nerve damage and it affects the feeling in the feet. And when people don't have feeling in the bottom of their feet, they are prone to all types of issues or ulcerations, open areas that don't heal and that can lead to foot, toe, and leg amputations. Oh, okay, so just two mm -hmm. questions. Mm -hmm. 
So the damage doesn't actually come from, I mean, the nerves are damaged and mm -hmm. they don't have feeling. Mm -hmm. But that's not what actually causes the amputations or causes the ailments. It's actually the numbness that, so they end up doing other things that can cause the problem. Right. Yeah, that's kind right? of, sort of. So let's see. It, say you have a patient that's diabetic and they have what we call neuropathy and they cannot feel a light touch. Okay, at the bottom of the foot. They don't feel like if you took a little sharp in, how we would feel a little yeah. bit, you know, a little sharpness, they don't feel any of it. Like, you feel that? They say no. So they have all the symptoms of diabetes now okay. and all the symptoms of uh, neuropathy on the bottom of their foot. The issue is not necessarily with the neuropathy, but what the neuropathy causes. Because people have neuropathy, they don't feel that anything is wrong. And unfortunately, as people, as humans, we have human nature. Something hurts, we don't do it. But if we don't feel it, we seem to think it's not a problem. And that's the main issue because they don't feel the issue. For example, we can say if I had on a too tight pump, okay, because I like to wear heels and it's rubbing my toe. I'm like, oh, this is really hurting my toe. I'm going to come out of that shoe as much as possible, as, qu as quickly as I can versus a diabetic with neuropathy. They don't have feelings. So they put that foot in that same shoe. They're still getting that same irritation, but they don't feel it. So they don't think they need to take off the shoe. So therefore, it rubs, 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 rubs down through the skin, comes from a blister. blister to sure a, everybody's had a blister. And right. It just goes to an extreme from a blister. Absolutely. Blister, open area. Where you get a blister, we knew it was coming. We just need to get out of that situation that we're in. Diabetics with neuropathy don't feel that. It just literally goes from a blister to an open wound and sometimes to the bone, and that's when amputations come. So say I, I, I've gotten neuropathy. Mm -hmm. My feet are now numb, mm -hmm. but now I baby them. I know this and okay. I take really good care of them mm -hmm. and I'm every day checking and mm -hmm. doing everything I can kind of maintain without any main issues like that it doesn't cause more issues just on its own just absolutely if you take care of your feet and you watch them and you baby them and you look at them every every day you're probably not going to have a lot of problems with your feet but it seems that simple Vic but you'd be surprised I have the same conversation with my patients every single day and it's just I don't know what it is. It seems very simple. Just pay yeah. attention to your feet. Look at them. But then I also have patients that have hip replacement or arthritis in the knees, so they can't look at the feet. And I do tell them, you know, invest in a mirror, a long mirror, or put it on the floor in front of the, in the bathroom because lighting in the bathroom seems to be typically brighter. Brighting. And you just hold your foot over and see what you can see. Or you have to get like a family member. Even if you have a child, you'd be surprised. If you have a child that's probably the age of four or five, you say, look at grandma's foot. And you see anything down there, they're going to point out stuff that looks weird. Because anything that looks weird, kids are like, ooh, grandma, what? You're missing a tooth. You know, they'll say anything. So kids are actually really good. They will pick at stuff that you wouldn't normally see. And if you have that on board, that helps too. So it's all about that, you know, preemptive strike. for life. But, <laughs> right. you know, but they did really good helping grandma out. Exactly. That's all what's going on. But, yeah, if you actually, if you're, or if you're diabetic with neuropathy, but you're very particular about your feet, you I'm just, this seems to go without saying, but I have to say it. You actually wash your feet each day because um, not all patients do. Um, and you look at your feet each day and you don't see anything going on. If the day that you do, you're going to come right to the doctor and it's not going to be an issue. Okay. Stuff heals up just fine. It's the neglect and the long term when they come. Because typically when I see them, it's been a long term neglect. And so then we go through the weeks of wound healing and wound care and hyperbarics and all this cascade of stuff we're trying to do to get this foot to be healed. And that's when the issue is. So if you catch it early, it's not a problem. Yeah, and it goes, it goes what back we were to, talking uh, about to before. what she mm -hmm. was saying before. People go to the doctor until there's a problem. Mm -hmm. not, not even that. Uh, most, and I'm, and I'm sure uh, Dr. Jefferson would agree, most of the time when these patients develop these type ulcers, these neuropathic ulcers, they don't know they have them. Mm -mm. Usually the way that they find them is, one, they're looking at a sock or they're going to watch a sock and they see a spot on it. 
or they catch a smell, mm-hmm. i.e. it's infected. So going back to the question that you asked earlier, is it the neuropathy that caused the amputation? It's part of it. What causes the amputation is they don't know that that wound is there and now it's infected. And that infection, uh, if it, especially if it gets down to the bone, that's when we get in trouble. But they don't know it's there until they either smell it, someone sees it, or they see some type of sign in, in their shoe or their sock. And then they, co- then they will come in because now they found this wound. But they'll go weeks without Question knowing that it's there. Here, Since you, do, you deal with uh, the insoles and stuff like mm-hmm. that, is, is there certain things that diabetics can do footwear-wise and or insole-wise that really... Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, back in the 90s, uh, Medicare introduced the therapeutic shoe bill. Uh, and the reason that they introduced this therapeutic shoe bill is because the amputation rate was going through the roof because of these ulcers uh, and the loss of the protective, protective sensation. So the patients just put on any type of shoes um, and develop these, these wounds because they can't feel, and at least amputation. So they developed this therapeutic shoe bill in order for us to be able to put these patients into protective shoes, i.e. diabetic shoes. Uh, and diabetic shoes are designed uh, specifically for someone with uh, neuropathy or loss of that protective sensation. So th- they're made differently than your average shoe. You know, they're seamless on the inside. So where a normal shoe will have seams where the shoe was sewed, sewed together, diabetic shoes, those seams are covered, and they, they can't get to the foot. The other thing is they come with a— I mean, is there socks then? Because, I mean— there, mm-hmm. There's diabetic I know that socks. The, the toe thing drives me nuts. The seam on the toe. <laughs> right. 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 It does. It, it does. Yeah, right? Diabetic the di- or not. The, di- yes. uh-huh, the diabetic yeah. socks. The diabetic socks are the exact same way. Normally, when we turn our socks inside out, the mm-hmm. seam is now on the outside of the foot. Well, the diabetic socks are made that way. Yeah. With the okay. seam on the outside versus it being on the inside. Can I just and they're not as myself? Yes, you can. Because that's absolutely. Well, more. I mean, they're, they're very comfortable. They're mm-hmm. very comfortable yeah. socks to wear, uh, you know, but the, the average person really don't need those socks because they, yeah. they have that protective sensation, so they know when it's irritated. Not necessarily need. It's more of a desire to well, not yeah. feel yeah. the, the toe. <laughs> right, well, if you want that, you know, that, that comfy feeling, I mean, they're very comfortable, you know. But, yes, the, the diabetic shoe is uh, is something that's very important for someone with diabetes it's it's all about prevention mm-hmm. you know so we we want to prevent you from having these type problems so that's why we normally put our patients in diabetic shoes so as most of the things that we talk about is go to the doctor early don't wait don't wait because absolutely problems happen and you know and, and it's like with any type of ailment uh you if you can get ahead of it it's easier to treat than letting it go on for months so Prevention is always the key when it comes to healthcare. Prevention is going to keep you out of trouble. Absolutely. And 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 Demond did a good job of explaining about, you know, people not being able to actually feel that um wound on the bottom of the foot. But we do what we can, but unfortunately we can't go home with them. Exactly. And that's the thing. They have to take some responsibility for this disease and you need to do what you can to look at your feet every day. Because if someone has a blister on their foot today and they come and see me tomorrow nine times out of ten that blister will heal up fine because you get your seeking attention for it early and it doesn't get to be infected blister it doesn't have to turn into an open actual wound or anything like that so it's prevention and so but you got to do your part at home and i have to stress that a lot because unfortunately like i said one of the most neglected parts of the body people just don't pay attention to their feet and a lot of it is because i don't feel my feet anymore so i don't worry about them anymore and and that's where education come in and that's we, we're really big on this, educating our patients. 
the one thing that I've learned, and I'm sure Dr. Jeffers would agree with me, is that when you can get the patient involved in their health care, they okay. tend to follow your treatment plan better Much than so. you come in with that, this is what you have, this is what you need to do type attitude. So one of the things is you, you, you get on the same level with the patient and you make the patient understand that this is a team effort and we are part of your team. You know, so what you do is just as important as what we do. So get them involved. Get them involved in their treatment plan, and they tend to follow it a lot better. Because if they don't, you know, it makes the job a little bit harder to treat. Because if they they leave our office and go home and do nothing of what we said, the next time that we see them, they're going to be in trouble. So it's all about educating the patient and getting on the level with the patient and making sure that they understand that this is a team effort. And that's what we're here for, guys, trying to give you guys some information, educate you guys just a little bit because – you are the first step in your own uh, your own healthcare. So the patient is their own advocate. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So make sure you learn as much as you can and listen in on this again. If you have any questions, email us at lifeinthefeetup at gmail dot com. Uh, Demond will be checking that email, so he'll try and do his best to get back to you. What was that face for? <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? So happy that you. So so happy. Oh, absolutely. We're both checking. I'm just giving. I can't answer these questions, though, man. Come Folks, on I, I can assure you that the emails would not go unanswered. <laughs> we'll do our best to get through as many of them as we can. We may even talk about some of them on air if you... Uh, I would love to, actually. Yeah. I'm so, sure I'm sure we, we so will send us those stuff. emails. We'll be more than happy to try and answer questions and even maybe do it on air. All right. All right. So, Dr. Jeffries, before we uh, sat down here and started uh, chatting, you guys talked about a Diabetic Institute of Savannah. Uh, we are located in the Savannah area. Um, currently, we again are recording in Richmond Hill at the home of Mr. Daman. Yay. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you hear the enthusiasm? Yay. <laughs> you weren't that thrilled when you first showed up. Or you actually were thrilled, but you were giving him a hard time about. You, you didn't say. Uh, yeah, you I was enjoy being in my home. Absolutely. My home? The hospitality is unparalleled. <laughs> Doesn't that sound scripted? Okay. It is. It is. <laughs> We wrote that down for her to exactly. say earlier. That's that's exactly what she was supposed to say. And I, I would like to retract one of my statements because, you know, at the beginning of the segment, I said one of my closest friends. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> clearly, we're not as close as I thought we were. Oh, no. Yes, we are. My feelings okay. are hurt. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the Di- Diabetic Institute of Savannah. Okay. The Diabetic Institute of Savannah um, is it's my practice. At Atlantic Foot and Ankle. And it's going to specifically address all the issues of diabetes as relates to the foot as well. Um, and so we pretty much want to make it an all-inclusive, like, one-stop shop um, for diabetes as well, especially when it relates to the feet. We want to um, have, like, a medical spa-type feel at the Diabetic Institute. And we want it to be a place where actually people don't fear coming to the doctor. They're like, oh, this is pretty cool, you know, with the foot spas and the gait analysis lab. And um, what else do we have, Damon? Uh, vascular study. The vascular study to check the circulation, which is very important in diabetics as well as anybody as I always over the age of 50 to always have your circulation checked because that stuff can be a genetic component that the blood starts getting slow in the leg and that also can lead to amputation. That's, but that's another podcast, okay? But, um, <laughs> but yes, we'll have a whole wide range of things to have it as um, the, the diabetic Institute of Savannah will be a medical spa feel um, related to podiatry, and we we still have the goal of decreasing or eliminating, if possible, if I can, diabetic leg, foot, and toe amputations. So I always like to say that we are in the business of saving limbs. Mm-hmm. That's our goal: is yeah. to save limbs. 
Awesome. Now, where do we know where this is going to be located? Any of that information do we have yet? Yes, it's going to be on 68th Street. In Savannah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, excellent. So, so the exact address is 803 East 68th Street. So if you're in the Savannah area and uh, you're looking for a place to, or you're just recently diagnosed, or you think you might have some issues, uh, come out and check out these people. Dr. Jeffers is much fun, a lot of fun. Thank I, you. I think you'll very much enjoy uh, her helping you out and taking care of you. So uh, anything else you'd like to share with our uh, listeners out there? Um, other than that, just come on out to uh, the Diabetic Institute of Savannah if you need us. And if not, we still would love to see you. But also just in relating to diabetes, um, like I said, it's a disease that you can live with. Um, you have diabetes. Don't let diabetes have you. All right. That sounds great. Um, any other contact information for the Institute? Do you have any of that stuff? Uh, yes, you can find, you can find all the information, uh, on our website at www.atlanticfeet.com. Okay. So check out the Atlantic Feet for Atlantic, uh, foot and ankle specialists. Correct. And okay. all the related, um, services that we, we provide the Diabetic Institute, um, the Gate Lab, uh, the Orthotic Lab. Uh, also, the phone number where uh, Dr. Jeffers will be able to be reached is 912-355-4557. Excellent. A little wink and a nod there for you. <laughs> All right. All right. Excellent. So I think that covers most. Oh, I think I cut you off way back before about the different types of food, the white stuff. So what stuff do you did we say we lean towards? Sorry, lean the food towards. thing was a really big deal. For a really me. big thing. Yeah. So yeah. stay away from Clearly. white stuff. <laughs> I'm worried, man. I'm wow. not a small guy myself. Oh my god. So eating these things, you know, I got to be careful. I just said how many people in my family have diabetes. So for me, this is something that I'm really that I really focus on and I'm kind of worried about. And you know, all jokes aside, it's, it's funny that you said that. You, you do have a, a very extensive family history of diabetes. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's one thing that is a key indicator for uh, some of our listeners is look at your family background. You know, and if you have this in your in your direct bloodline and in your family history, you should start taking some of the measures to, to kind of help prevent some of these things uh, in healthy eating uh, and living a healthy li lifestyle, being more active exercising, so on and so forth. So it's actually really good that you, you just brought that up because it, it is really important to know your family history because your family history is going to lead to what ultimately could be going on with you uh, in the background that you don't know about. Yeah, I have way too many people in my family. Really? My, grand, my dad, my his, both of his sisters, both my aunts, my grandfather on my mom's side. I have it on both sides of my So family. you do. You have a double whammy. Yeah. But yeah, just I would tell you, number one, if, if I always tell people, this is my personal, this is not doctor related, but for me, I felt as though when I was young in my 20s, I didn't go to a doctor just for a physical because you're young and healthy, you don't have any problems. But over the age of 30, I started to make sure, yeah, I still don't, thank God. I don't have any health issues, thank the Lord, but right? You are a doctor. Does that not count? Don't you go to one technically every morning when you yeah, wake up? you know, true, but honestly, we can be our, we be our own worst patients. So I actually physically have a friend that's a doctor, and I will go to him and let him draw my blood and make sure everything's okay, do EKGs, because I can be a little of a hypochondriac at any rate. Cause, yeah, a have, little? Really? Yeah, I like to check everything out. I need to know. I feel like if I need a pill, give me a pill. If not, you know, a shot, do it, whatever. Fix me up because I want to <laughs> stay healthy. So in that regard, the more you go to the doctor, like you're going every six months or at least 
least if you don't have any health issues, go once a year just to get everything checked out to make sure everything's okay. When they check your, um, they'll tell you to fast, okay? And so that morning when they check your blood, they're checking your blood sugar, okay? It's it, it's a normal um, value in the basic blood work that we check. So if anything, that's how a lot of people get, you know, like, okay, you know, I checked it last time, I checked it this time, and your fasting blood sugar super duper high. And so that's how people a lot of times get di- diagnosed as diabetic. So you want to make sure um, if you can just do that, you're going to find out hopefully at that point if you go on a regular basis at least once a year if you don't have any issues sooner rather than later. But you also want to maintain a healthy lifestyle. That's that exercise and keeping that weight in that, you know, that little chart that no one really follows in anymore. They the say, BMI, the yeah, you know, index. they tell you you're supposed to be a certain whatever, whatever. Yeah, you want to keep yourself to a healthy weight. You want to create more lean muscle mass. The more lean muscle mass you have, the less fat you have. So therefore, you're more and less likely, especially for type 2 diabetic that'd be better to keep that warded off longer, even though you have a strong genetic proponent, yeah, um, but strong. ward it off or either keep it from coming in general. But definitely watch your diet. So eat more green leafy vegetables, salads, good protein, lean protein, not a lot of fat on it. Yeah, stuff you yummy. don't... Yeah, yummy. Yummy, <laughs> right? And cut back on... And let's say you can't have, you know, some rolls or some bread, but you can't have, like, bread on top of bread on bread on bread you know or bread well, bread on sorry. bread sandwiches aren't so good either. bread on bread bad no. or either you know the pasta with the bread yeah, that's you know my, that's my weakness yeah and so pasta. yes just carbs 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 is more carbs than protein okay so unless you are just about to run a marathon and you run like 13 12 miles every day you don't need that many carbs because you're not gonna burn them as much you know but so just to sustain i always tell people get enough protein or just you want enough protein in your diet base um to equal your body weight per day Mm -hmm. um now that's food what about drinks beverages is like i know water is number one right but for most people out there they don't like water yeah i've i'm I'm one of those i love cokes but i've done so much better with my water and so this is what I tell people. Don't drink your calories, Damon. Yet you're drinking right now. I'm not Don't there yet. Drink. That's my little adage. Don't drink your calories. Eat them. I personally would like to. I like food. So I'd rather eat my calories than drink them. So th- what I'm saying is get something that's either low cal or very few cal or water with zero calories to drink and then get your, car- get your calories through your food because that's a better source of um, energy for you. So you're going to get more from it. It's just like when people say alcohol, you know, it has a lot of calories, but they're empty calories. You get absolutely nothing from it. You're not getting any nutritional value. So you want to make sure I always tell people don't drink your calories. Just try to eat them. Um, water. I like to do water. That's probably one of the best things like you can do. Teas. I know. I know down here. We're in the, in the South. South. Sweet, sweet tea, tea is, is like packed full of sugar. Huge. Honestly, I would prefer somebody to drink a regular Coke than sweet tea because really? you, don't, you don't know how, you know how much sugar they put into. I don't. <laughs> you should see it. I do really enjoy probably sweet have, Probably tea, about two half look. About two pounds of sugar they pour in there before they put the tea. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of sugar in sweet tea. That's a lot of sugar in sweet tea. My dad doesn't drink. He's diabetic. He doesn't drink any sodas, but he drinks so much sweet tea. So I'm like, Dad, that's why your sugar's running high. He eats, yeah, he doesn't eat that green either, but he drinks sweet tea on a regular basis. It's like sweet tea on sweet tea on sweet tea. And there's, and unfortunately, when you make sweet tea at home, you can't really count how much sugar you're getting because you're just dumping it in there. It's like Kool Aid. Well, you know, you put sugar in the corn to taste. Exactly. Me being a southerner, you want I will it sweet. Say, we 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 you like want it sweet. Sweet. Yeah, you might be better off drinking. Also, our purple Kool Aid. 
See, <laughs> it's a purple Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of sugar. Honestly, the sweet tea, that's the thing, because you can't monitor it. You almost will be back. The reason why I say you'd be better drinking a regular Coke, not even a Diet Coke, because at least you know you get, what, 240 calories a can. You don't know how much you get in that tall glass of refilled sweet tea at Carrie Hilliard's. You know, yeah. they got to refill and refill it. You drink two or three glasses. I know that's more than a can of Coke because of all the sugar. You can't monitor it because it's just sweetened. What, Devon? According to taste. So, yeah. But usually tell people to stay away from diet. From Diets, I mean, from um, regular sodas, drink diet ones, you know. Of course, there's controversy about what I know mean about the diet, you know, which is what it is. People say you're better off. So studies come out that that prove and disprove the stuff all the time, and it's always changing. But if you want to err on the safe side and be real strict, drink you some water and get some of those zero-calorie crystal lights, and that'll make it have some flavor for you, maybe. Or just drink regular water, which is better for you. Um, What about, like, unsweet tea? Like, just tea in general? Who wants that? <laughs> but I'm kidding. Who drinks that? But no, no, no. Unsweet tea is completely fine. I'm from the north originally. I know a okay, lot so of people drink, drink sweet tea. Right. Oh, oh sweet absolutely. Tea. Okay, sweet. then by all with means, like, drink it. My mom actually drinks unsweet tea all the time with a, like a crystal light or something. Yeah, yeah. Like some sort of sweet. Okay, then she's going to be fine. Something like that. If you're going to do you, tea, sweeten it with, um, you know, there's controversy over those artificial yeah, sweeteners. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're not trying to be, you know, That's a whole other topic. Exactly. So you can do that. I mean, that's if you were just talking strictly about the intake of calories and sugar and to monitor that then yeah you do the artificial sweeteners and do if you can tolerate which i cannot plain sweet unsweet tea plain unsweet tea then drink it by all means but it one more time plain unsweet tea (laughs) so the caffeine that doesn't make any effect on any diabetics of caffeine just makes you hype a little bit it might be actually good keeps them up maybe make maybe it'll make some of my you know diabetics walk as long as they're walking in their diabetic shoes shameless plug but (laughs) at least they're walking and maybe give them energy enough to walk and be active Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. But no, the caffeine, no. Not a real issue. Oh, so that's quite the contradiction. If you want them to be active, but then they get problems on their feet from right. being active, that's quite the contradiction. It is. But you know what I, I sh- What did I plug? Diabetic shoes. shoes. makes a big. Absolutely. It really makes that big of a difference. Absolutely. It does. I mean, does. We, does. we want our diabetics mm-hmm. to be active, but they have to be, they have to protect their feet. And that's where the diabetic shoes come in at. Mm-hmm. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, we are just about out of time here. So I told you it goes fast. It does. It goes really fast. I told mm-hmm. you. So we're going to end our show with our fun foot fact of the day. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Oh, that's uh. All right. Did you know that three out of four Americans will experience some serious foot problems within their lifetime? Three out of four? Three out of four. There's three of us in here. We just, that means the person. That's who's, 75%. Absolutely. That's a, that's that's a, a pretty high number. percentage. Yeah, that's a real big number. So watch your feet. Take care of your feet and take care of yourself in general. With that being said, I'm Victor. And I'm Demont. Thank, thank you very much to Dr. Jeffers. Thanks thank you, for thank hanging you. out. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Next episode we have coming up, we're going to be talking about balance. So make sure you stick up. Listen to the next one, talking about balance, different things that to watch for on your balance and talking about more about inserts and i believe we have a in the future we have an episode coming up about women's fashion shoes that's gonna be very interesting yeah women's shoes that's you guys al- talking about very, women's shoes oh my god that's always a very very touchy subject. all right well we've got a special guest coming in for that one as well so good day everyone and uh this is life from the feed up once again i'm victor and i'm demond and have a great day Life from the Feet Up is brought to you by Atlantic Foot and Ankle Specialists. Check them out on the web at www.atlanticfeet.com.
www.thepowerhouse.com.